Welcome to Edwards Beyond the Test, a podcast that goes behind the scenes of the flight test mission at Edwards Air Force Base. I'm Don Waldman from the 412 Test Wing Public Affairs. While the nation remains quarantined during the COVID-19 pandemic, the 412th Test Wing at Edwards is doing all it can to ensure the vital mission of flight tests continues. So just how is that being accomplished, and why is it so important at a time like this? We have a few guests today who will answer those questions and more. First, I'm happy to introduce Mr. Dan Osborne, who is the Senior Technical Director for the 412th Test Wing. Thanks for taking our call as we continue social distancing. Well, sir, let's go back to March 19th, the day that Edwards went to Minimal Manning. The base told personnel to stay home with only essential personnel reporting to work. Mr. Osborne, can you tell us what was happening at the Test Wing at that time? Can you set the stage, so to speak? Sure, Don. I'd be glad to do that. Um, yeah, so... Uh, really, what, when uh, when this all really kicked off was when the state of California, the governor, declared the stay-at-home initiative. Uh, we got together that evening on Thursday night and discussed uh, taking the base down to uh, HP Con Charlie. And uh, HP Con Charlie means basically mission essential personnel only onto the base, uh, and mission essential is defined uh, by our core mission. Uh, of test uh, at the group commander levels to execute certain test missions as well as as keeping the base operational and safe uh, to all the habitants and the the people that live on base. Uh, So that's kind of what really initiated it, but uh, really we we kind of expected it to come down. We were we've been planning for uh, well over a month uh, talking about it and then, and then working pretty hard diligently two weeks before that. So, sir, when we did go to Health Protection C or, or Charlie, the base was very prepared, as you're saying. Weren't we one of the first in AFMC to take this route? Yeah, we were, Don. We were actually one of the first uh, out in the front there. Um, you know, our state of California was, uh, was, was the, you know, one of the top states at that time uh, based on our geographical location. Uh, that put us uh, being close to Los Angeles and Kern County, in Kern County area, that put us into a, a HP Con Charlie faster than some of the other bases within the command. So we were out leading the front part of that, for sure. So then how far in advance did the planning begin? So I remember back in February, actually, of uh, starting to set some um, expectations uh, that probably would be going into some type of environment here soon. And that's a good thing our, our leadership had that forefront. Uh, I do know that our commander went to the senior leadership conference uh, back in uh, early March. Um, and I remember our first dialogue of uh, on the Friday, actually I believe it was 6 March, uh, was when we started kicking around and started putting uh, stuff to paper in regards to uh, criteria of what each HPCon would look like at Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and Delta. So our wing commander was very proactive. On April 1st, sir, the 412th Test Wing finally was able to resume flight operations after we'd shut down for a little bit. And once again, now there are aircraft in the skies of the Aerospace Valley. It is wonderful to hear them. What was it like to get those missions back on track? Can you describe some of the missions or aircraft also that are back flying? Yeah, Don, that's a good question. And, and that, that's a really, really good question and super important to, to our warfighters in our country. So, so April 1st was a, was a good day. It was no April Fool's Day. We actually did have F-22 flight. 
Uh, we were having that was our first mission out of, out of the gate there on uh, that Wednesday, and then uh, we also did a 35 test on a critical test on Thursday, which uh, had uh, people come in in the control room to execute a, a very important, uh, very important mission that we had on our plate. Um, we also had C-17s flying. We had Global Hawk flying. Um, so basically, we've had uh, F-16s that have been flying as well. We're working with our foreign military sales, and a lot of people wonder why foreign military sales uh, is a is a critical mission essential. And it's uh, you know put it per, put it in perspective is is our allies need to have uh, the best war winning war winning capabilities as well. Uh, the better they can fight in their area, that that actually saves our airmen. From going over and have to fight as well, right? So having them have the best superior weapons that they can have actually is a, a best deterrent, and it helps our country and, and save our servicemen from being in harm's way. So that is very mission essential. People don't see it sometimes as mission essential, but when you look at through that lens, uh, it's very, very, very important that uh, we do help our allies. And so right now we're pretty much uh, picking certain programs. What how how it works is. We have a, a list of uh, each of our combined test force of test missions that they have, um, and they'll bring that list to the ops group commander, and then he will work that through up, and then every mission essential uh, currently, every mission essential mission is approved at uh, Colonel Higer's level, um, and that sets the tone for the next week. Um, then we work with that workforce, and we are bringing in minimum footprint to maximize our, our social distancing as well as uh, not bringing as many people as we, if we don't need to, to, to work with the shelter in place requirement within the state of California while we're still executing our mission. So mission essential people will actually change day to day based on what core mission we're doing in the test function. Uh, I mean, our defenders, our comm squadron, our civilian engineering, obviously our med group, right? They're super busy right now and super important to this fight of COVID-19, but they also have their core mission of installation protection um, and installation health and help uh, for the infrastructure. So that's all critical, too, uh, to our mission. So it's not just the test mission core, but it's also the installation as well. Well, you know, sir, it does take a, a lot of highly skilled personnel to, to conduct our flight test missions across the base, as you just mentioned. But how are areas like aircraft maintenance meeting the mission demands under the minimal manning orders? Good question, Don. Uh, well, we're very fortunate to have some very superior leadership skills under Colonel Havard's uh, leadership, who was very proactive. I was actually uh, one of the four forerunners, and from my eyes, that was already constructing a split crew and what that would look at and what we've now cloned as blue-silver teams. And what they do is they have a team set of skills broken and in, in basically in half uh, to where they can do core missions, and and then the other silver team would be at home for two weeks while the blue team is executing a mission. Therefore, we're maintaining the 14-day separation for any incubation periods, as well as minimizing, um, you know, or maximizing our social distancing uh, with uh, half the crew. So they're doing an alternate kind of work, two-week swap in and out. Seems to be working pretty effectively, and like anything with. Tested Edwards with agility and some innovative techniques, they have pretty much uh, not missed any of the missions uh, that we put on the books uh, through maintenance. 
So uh, great leadership and a great core of, uh, great core of maintenance personnel uh, doing that that hands touch labor to get the jets uh, ready for up up and away and then prepping them when they come back down and land. So, sir, so you just mentioned innovation. You know, once that decision was made to resume flight test operations, what was the re- response across the wing, especially with a nod toward innovation? I'll be honest with you. We've had an innovation culture buzz uh, with our last previous. Uh, two, three commanders, right? And I believe innovation has, has, is, is just in the culture already at Edwards, uh, just by what we do in our mission. But, um, I mean, creative ways, I mean, the, the forecasting, right, of knowing that we're going to have to split crews and see how they would split it, uh, doing that way in front before it even came down um, was, was pretty impressive to me. Um, there's other things. There's uh, there's one thing I learned about uh, that I thought was very innovative on instrumentation. So on our very first mission on April 1st with the F-22, the instrumentation team came up with a way to actually do checkout of the telemetry system on the airplane prior to ha- not having to go into the control room. So they were trying to minimize their people that had to go into the control room in a confined workspace. Um, so we can have the, the key component people that need to be in that mission. And so they were able to do some innovative techniques to check out the TM beforehand and not have to be in the control room. Uh, now what that does, it did take a little additional risk in regards to technical risk, but no safety risk, uh, just to make sure that we didn't have any dropouts of telemetry data systems. Mm-hmm. But we didn't, fortunately. Uh, but another innovative technique that we've already shared or that they shared across F-16, F-35 um, uh, missions uh, so they could do the same thing. But that came right out of the gate on the first day mission. Also, hasn't the 412th Range Squadron uh, come up with an innovative sanitization method for their areas? Yeah, so that was that was very impressive. Uh, very, very impressed with uh, Mr. Rubino's leadership skills and his whole range team. Uh, they've always been very close to me uh, for what they do, but just the people themselves, too, has always been a really special place in my heart for them, uh, for how they, they've always interacted and supported all the missions from my whole career on Edwards. But being able to work with them closer at, at a different level now has really opened my eyes on how innovative they, have, they are. So they actually developed um, the first that I know of, of range control cleaning procedures. I was fortunate enough to be on, on a range commander's council, and I was impressed by their procedures on a, on a Thursday, um, when, they, when they finalized those products on a Thursday, was able to send those out to all 19 other ranges across the United States that I'm part of a team of, and uh, put that over the weekend. And then we had a meeting that following Wednesday with all the ranges to find out what the Army's doing, what the Navy's doing, what NASA's doing, and uh, shared our best practices. And and then they shared some of the things they were doing too. So it was a great, great uh, range collaboration across uh, 20, actually across 20 ranges total for the United States. That is extremely impressive. Mr. Osborne, before I let you go, I think it's important for you to answer this question. And why is it so important right now that Edwards resumes flight testing at this time? So I think the biggest is our mission is, to me, it's always been and always will be a very part, very important part of our country. And developing these war-winning capabilities and getting them to our airmen um, is super important that we give, do it with our best expertise and expedient and agility to get it out there. So that doesn't stop. I guarantee you 100% our, 
our adversaries have not stopped. Matter of fact, our adversaries are watching us to see how we respond to this environment. They're looking at us not only in the defense uh, area, uh, they're also looking at us economically on how we are going to respond to this. This is not a, an easy time for our country, uh, but our mission doesn't stop because of it. We're in a, a very, very uh, important role in the defense of our country and it's not going to stop. Now, we're going to do everything we can to protect the people to do the best we can. Can't guarantee 100% uh safety all the time, right? We are we're we're we are the echelon of risk management of what we do and test for safety, and we also do that with our with our workforce. Um so I think it's safer personally to come in into work than it is to go to the grocery store. And I've been at both environments. I still come into work uh, a few days a week to get my job done in the classified area because I have to. It's not stopping. It's not just the execution. It's the planning. It's the reporting. Matter of fact, we put out four reports so far, even during this environment, to meet our customer need dates that they have in the classified area. So we still have to get that done. It's super important down to our country. And it's, it's actually a real privilege to work with people that see it that same way to get that mission done. Many thanks to Mr. Dan Osborne, the 412 Test Wings Senior Technical Director, for talking with us and taking us beyond the test. The 412th Range Squadron manages Edwards Flight Test Range facilities, capabilities, and much more. In a moment, we'll find out how that team has overcome minimal manning, social distancing, and more to ensure continuation of flight test operations. Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. Amid the COVID-19 pandemic and quarantine and utilizing minimal manning, Team Edwards is hard at work ensuring that the flight test mission continues. It is my pleasure to introduce our next guest, the director of the 412th Range Squadron, Mr. Tony Rubino. Mr. Rubino, thanks for taking our call today. So, sir, as the base moved to comply with the essential personnel-only order, what was happening across the Range Squadron to include the Pyra and, and Ridley Mission Control? What was happening then? Oh, so, Don, so the uh, Pyra, which is the Precision Impact Range Area and Ridley Mission Control, as you know, we, have, uh, we also have control rooms at South Base. Uh, we were really uh, moving everything so that people could telework. So we were checking out uh, computers and equipment at our front door at Ridley and uh, making sure that we had uh, equipment lists and all that so that uh, people could take um, their computers home and actually transition to work at home. So that's what we were doing initially when the state had the, the lockdown, and uh, we moved forward with uh, telework and uh, other items. Earlier in the program, Mr. Osborne complimented the range squadron for the sanitization measures employed by your team designed to keep everybody safe from COVID. Can you tell us, please, more about that? What happened? So uh, really in the interest of safety and health of the range team uh, and our customers, we started developing uh, sanitization procedures for our control rooms uh, with, while we integrated uh, physical distancing of six feet or more. We also uh, developed sanitization procedures for our headsets, made sure that we uh, coordinated all that with the med group, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Westy, who has been a godsend to uh, our entire process and uh, how we've moved through this. We also uh, started developing a range facilities uh, sanitization process where we started looking at all the touch points. We looked at our supplies. We looked at uh, our sanitary wipes, our disinfectant wipes, 
We also looked at disinfectant uh, as you came into Ridley Mission Control. So we had a wash station. Um, today we have replaced that wash station with two Purell dispensers. So that before people even come into Ridley Mission Control, they're able to sanitize their hands. And then as they approach the front door of Ridley Mission Control Center, they uh, read uh, a number of hygiene and physical distancing items on an easel, and then they proceed to what we call the range gatekeeper, which is a person that uh, has a discussion with all entering personnel to ensure that they are feeling healthy, they understand and can comply with everything that's on the easel, and then they proceed to our security desk where we provide them uh, through checkout uh, sanitized badges, and then they go on up to or through the doors to the mission control room. Mr. Rubino, that is so impressive. Congratulations to you and your team for developing that. You know, Don, uh, our team is really made up of a whole bunch of all-stars. If you were thinking about the, the World Series team, I really do believe that uh, our range team has that. And uh, if you were to play in a game today, um, our range team, you would have people that were pinch hitters. You would have people that were outfielders. You would have people that are catchers, um, people that come off the, the bench and go in and just knock it out of the park. And we're not talking about just a home run. We're talking about grand slams every day. Now, Don, you know, in the last four years, we have had one range cancellation. And that's just an impressive record when you look at what this range team has done and continues to do. And it's really the passion of so many members on our range team that makes that happen day in and day out. Well, sir, you know, speaking of the operations there, normally the 412th Range Squadron is a busy place. It's working fast and in support of the flight test mission. But how is the work now being completed, though, with minimal manning? Are you using the silver and blue team's approach? So, Don, we're, uh, we are using the blue and silver teams. We are actually wrapping up uh, the silver team this week. And then Monday we start with the blue team. Uh, that has proven to be uh, very uh, helpful and very strategic for us. And obviously, uh, it uh, really changes the resource pool. But because, once again, you have so many uh, all-star players, uh, so many people have come to uh, really make it happen. Our logistics team is, once again, part of the, uh, the team that has worked with uh, our operations and maintenance and our comm folks, you know, people like Dan Caparula and uh, Guillermo, Billy Torres, and Jimmy Landall. Uh, those people have just been amazing. And really, it was uh, Dan Caparula that came up with the headset sanitization procedures. And uh, those are really the details coordinated with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Westy from the Med Group that gave us those procedures today that said, hey, you really should be setting those aside for 72 hours. We took it an extra step, and we set those headsets aside for 96 hours in between uses so that we can ensure that um, not only the, the control room, but those headsets have gone through a, a very strict adherence and um, process to be uh, disinfected and sanitized before the next test team comes into that control room. Mr. Rubino, you know, often flight tests requires collaboration at the center level, the Air Force Test Center level, with ranges at Eglin Air Force Base and other areas. How are the distributed test operations going at this time? Don, that's a great question. You know, so many people so often think of distributed test operations as you're flying in a control room uh, supporting tests at Eglin. And so um, a lot of people think of distributed test operations like that. But a lot of times we have missions where we have aircraft, fighters, flying over the Pacific Ocean. 
and we're monitoring them real time at Ridley Mission Control Center at Edwards Air Force Base, and that is distributed test operations. And as you've seen, what's now called you know distributed test operations DTO, you're really seeing that extend across to a number of different platforms, and it uh, shows tremendous promise, especially in uh, when you have challenging times like this. Well, maybe you want to do some different things to protect the safety and health of your personnel. Um, it has a lot of promise, and we continue, like I said, uh, we continue to do that many days a week, and sometimes it's five days a week where we're doing a local area DTO, or we may be doing DTO across the nation at, at different times throughout the week or different times throughout the month. Okay, so let's take a moment. Let's go back and talk about the team that makes up the 412th Range Squadron. We have a, a very diverse team. Uh, we have engineering. We have uh, our data production analysts. And we also have our, our range control officers, which are really our, our focal point uh, to our customers. And when you look at uh, the various things we've been doing over the last uh, you know, two to four weeks, obviously all of those people, all of those different parts of our organizations are critical. You also look at our, our infrastructure. You look at uh, our facilities, you know, guys like Rob Huey and, and his team, Mark Chiavira, Marco Chiavira, and uh, Jeff Raymond. Uh, that facilities team continues to support our range facilities that uh, uh, continue to support the mission, our control rooms, our backup battery systems, all those different kinds of things. And then also you have, uh, once again, you have our logistics team that has supplied um, all the different uh, materials needed to not only keep our uh, control rooms sanitized, but also to keep our entire facilities uh, sanitized for the, the safety and health of our personnel. Mr. Rubino, before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, uh, once again, I think that uh, this range team uh, continues to make it happen. And uh, you just have, uh, you have a range team that's uh, just passionate for the mission and the customer. And obviously, all that results in serving our warfighter to pro provide them the best tested capability. Many thanks to Mr. Tony Rubino, Director of the 412th Range Squadron, for talking with us and taking us beyond the test. The COVID-19 pandemic has not stopped the Edwards mission as operations continue to run, though some limited, across the base. In a moment, we'll visit with the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School and learn how both the school and students accomplished a path forward. The U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School is located on Edwards and was hit pretty hard by the quarantine and minimal manning caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Colonel Ryan Blake is the school's commandant. Sir, thank you for taking our call and welcome back to our program. Well, sir, we've been talking about the return of flight operations on base, and of course, TPS is part of flying, but you're also an engineering school with both a junior and a senior class that's operating simultaneously. Has everything come to a halt? How's it going? Well, so we did have to make a whole lot of changes to be able to operate in this current environment. Fortunately, I can say that TPS absolutely did not come to a halt. Now, we did have to pause our flight operations for a few weeks while we worked within the test wing and worked with our own procedures to have a properly risk-mitigated approach to return to flight operations. But I've actually been really impressed at how quickly all of our instructors and the rest of the staff have put together uh, options to continue TPS operating during this time. As a matter of fact, it was 
from the time that uh, everything really heated up with the COVID-19 response to the time we were teaching online classes was really just a day or two. That is amazing because it is the first time in history you've ever done this. So tell us about that huge effort by the TPS team to get the academics online. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we at the Test Pilot School always seem to have more ideas than we have time or bandwidth to uh to use. And so we'd always been looking for a way that eventually we could put our academics online for um, previous grads to be able to access and to be able to record lectures and have that uh, material available for others. We've just never really had the the time or, or frankly, the, the push, the necessity to do that. Well, as soon as social distancing became a requirement, we had to put that in place. And so that really all the ideas that we had percolating before, we had to spring into action. And our staff, frankly, uh, went through some Herculean efforts. And they went from teaching class in the classroom on a Wednesday to teaching class to students at home with instructors at home on a Friday. Uh, and so I think it's really been amazing at what they've been able to do. They also, I'd like to say that uh, today we just taught our first simulator session remotely. We had an instructor who was able to, uh, from his own home, be able to operate a simulator here at Test Pilot School. And so only the student was required to get into the simulator, and the instructor was able to social distance from many miles away by operating that simulator remotely. That is so impressive, and congratulations to your team. Uh, That sounds like that was very successful, and overall, are the academics online working out? They are. So, you know, I don't think that this is going to be our uh, new normal going forward forever, right? There's still some things that you miss out by not being in person. Uh, The instructor can't call students up to the board to help them through a a particular problem and and things like that. Uh, But actually, given the constraints, things have been working remarkably well. Colonel Blake, with all the work that's been taking place to continue the academics, has everything the students need been covered or some areas missing? Well, unfortunately, there are some things that we just are not able to do remotely. One of the major things that we do at the end of the course is send students on a three-week trip to various flight test centers, uh, and that could be within the United States. We'll send them to other places within the test center and also out to uh, Navy test centers and also to international test centers. And we'll have them learn from those different test organizations and also fly some of their aircraft. During this time, we can't travel, and that's those are not things that you can do remotely. Uh, and so those kinds of things, unfortunately, we've had to lose out on. We also, in a, our previous discussions, we've talked about our qualitative evaluation flights where we put our students in as many different types of aircraft as we can. Well, many of those aircraft are not based here, and they're contractor-owned, and due to COVID-19 precautions right now, we're not able to bring them on base. So there are, unfortunately, some things that our students are not getting right now. And so we're working through what are the minimum requirements for a student to graduate and making sure we don't send a student out or a new graduate out to their new test organization without having all the requisite knowledge to be successful. Well, the good news is, Colonel Blake, flight operations at TPS has resumed as of April 14th. How is that working out with a minimal manning order in place? Are they only flying Air Force aircraft right now, or are the contractor aircraft? Uh, Right now, they are only flying Air Force aircraft, so it's been a real big team effort within the entire 412th test wing in order to get our, uh, maintain our government aircraft up in the air and maintain not only all the tests that the operations and maintenance group are doing in conjunction with TMG and TNG, but also all of the TPS operations. 
So because of all of that and because of the requirements of our uh, COVID-19 operations procedures right now, we're only able to fly government aircraft. So that's many of the curriculum flights that we have for the students, uh, but it does not include those contractor-type aircraft. With one exception, we do have some contractor aircraft based at Edwards, uh, like our uh, Learjet, a variable stability Learjet, um, that we are still able to fly. But when you talk about other contractor aircraft, like our qualitative evaluation aircraft, we're not able to do that right now. So, sir, let's talk about that TPS team of yours. They're doing phenomenal work right now. Are they teleworking and able to get the mission accomplished? Yes, absolutely. They are teleworking. We're all teleworking to the max extent possible. And so right now you only come in to work physically in person if you have to. Now we can't. We haven't yet figured out how to, you know, fly our F-16s from the comfort of your sofa. So clearly if you're flying an F-16 or a C-12 or a T-38, you're coming in to fly, right? All our flight operations are going to be in person. But if you don't have to do that, we're having folks telework. Uh, and so, like I talked about, our uh, unique ways that we've gone about doing that, such that we can even do simulators now remotely. So we've got our instructors running those from home. And that goes for our large support staff as well, folks who are doing contracting and finance and other things like that. They are right now teleworking and not coming in if they don't need to. There's, of course, a lot of friction that goes along with that, and I know all of the world is trying to figure out how to deal with that friction right now. But I have been incredibly impressed by the innovative solutions that our TPS staff have come up with in order to telework effectively. Colonel Blake, there's been a lot of innovation to make this happen for TPS. Can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. And so I think I talked about uh, a lot of our previous desires to implement some of uh, some new techniques or some new curriculum delivery methods. Uh, and they say necessity is the mother of invention. So this current uh, crisis has necessitated us to go out and figure out ways to actually implement those kinds of things. Our staff and our students, frankly, are all innovators at heart. That's why they're in this business. They want to go do new things, figure out how to test new products and get new technology out to the warfighter. Uh, and so now they're just taking that passion that they've got for innovating in flight test and innovating in developmental technology, and they're applying that to education. And so that innovation applies to quickly getting operations spun up for online academics and being able to record those and be searchable afterwards for students who need to look back at some academics. Those kinds of things had not happened before to being able to deliver simulator instruction and things like that online. And just to be able to innovate uh, daily, looking at current constraints that we have, all right, we're not able to use that particular method, let's do it this way. We've been innovating a lot with our curriculum, frankly. With, there are things that we normally teach in certain methods that just aren't possible right now, and the staff has been very clever and very innovative in saying, well, what we're really trying to get out of this particular event is this, you know, these learning objectives, and I think we can get these learning objectives done if we do it in this other way. And so that has really impressed me with the staff. Colonel Blake, is there anything you'd like to add? I would just like to thank the rest of the test wing for helping us get our mission done. Now, we are a part of the test wing and a part of the test center, and we're all working this as a team. And so there has never been yet anything that the test pilot school has needed that everyone from the, frankly, the Air Force Material Command commander on down has not said, all right, let's figure out how to, how to get you that. 
So it's been a great team effort. We've been lockstep with the operations group and with the maintenance group and figuring out ways that we can move our mission forward. And I think so far, uh, given the constraints, we've optimized that fairly well. So I'd just like to say thanks to the rest of the test wing and the test center. Many thanks to Colonel Ryan Blake and all of today's guests for taking time out to share their stories and taking us beyond the test. We invite our listeners to submit their suggestions for future episodes by sending us an email at beyondtest at 412TW.us. Thanks to all for joining us. I'm Don Waldman for Edwards Beyond the Test.